Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are finishing up our very last chapters of Acts, and that is an exciting change as we start moving into the epistles. But don't get too excited yet. We still have some uh, really amazing things that are still going to happen. And today, you're going to hear about a big aha moment I had with the last part of Acts. So let's jump in and see if you can see the same thing that I had never really seen before. I, it, luckily it was called out, so I didn't I make this up. But I did have a big aha moment. So Acts, as we're finishing up Acts, I was struggling a little bit to try to figure out what to say. It, it's a lot of chapters, but it reads a little bit, I was reading it kind of like a history. And so there was a lot of action and and then it was the second missionary journey ends and you move right into the third missionary journey and it's this city and that city and this name and that name. And then these little vignettes, little stories and, and episodes of various things. And you, you kind of get this idea that the gospel is moving forth and it's growing and you see a lot of really interesting tidbits. I don't think they're always the main point, but amazing little points that you can draw out about how the gospel is being administered and it's growing and they're learning things and they're asking the Lord and the spirits on everyone and then they learn something new and, and just see it's so similar to our day or, or how the church is being administered and, and being revealed uh, line upon line you also see different you see men and women working as missionaries you see women prophesying you see prophets like the old days like Agabus one of my favorites in chapter 21 you see uh the Romans, you see shipwrecks, you see uh, people being poisoned by snakes and bitten by snakes. It's just kind of feels action-packed. Wondering what were we to get out of this besides this step and this action. And then I remembered to take a step back a little bit. What we were talking about in the beginning of the Acts, the overview, that in Acts and in these books, sometimes it helps to take a step back and look at the book as a whole. And one of the things we mentioned, we talked about, was that Luke writes Luke in Acts, and he seems to be saying some of the same things about them. So let's jump really quickly to the beginning of Luke and see if we can see a couple of parallels there. Now Luke starts out in Luke 1, and he's giving us a little bit of his theme or his point or the motif. And he says one of the things, he's like, I'm writing this down in an orderly account of events. Okay, that's what we've been seeing in Paul, or in this part of Paul with Acts, that it's an order of an events. But then he jumps down in verse 4. So this is Luke 1, 4, and he says, So that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you've been instructed. So Luke is writing this to Theophilus, and he's saying that you've learned some of these, but I'm telling this story so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you've been instructed. So let's see what the point of Acts was. That was the point of Luke. Now in Luke, in Acts 1, verse 4, well, first, verse 1, he says, In the first book, Theophilus Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, 
after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, while staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Acts is going to be this. Remember, we talked about the Acts of the Holy Ghost, Acts of the Holy Spirit that's going to go out to people. Then look at the very end of Acts and how it ends. Paul quote, or Luke quotes Paul, but then he's quoting Isaiah. And he is kind of ending, wrapping this all up. He says in uh, Acts 28, 26 and 27, it's actually a quote from Isaiah. It says, go to this people and say, you will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So Isaiah's prophesying that there are these people that aren't going to listen. And then we flip the script. Verse 28. Let it be known, not a script, not this isn't Isaiah anymore. Let it be known to you then that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. So there's this kind of wrapping up, which led me to think, well, what other parallels? And it hit me. I've been reading. This is, this is amazing. I've been reading Acts. I forgot. This isn't, this is a book. This isn't a history. It's not a YouTube video showing me the blow by blow actions that that uh acts and that all the people did whether it was paul or peter or stephen it's trying to convince me about christ and the savior and those things that happened so what other parallels are there that are going to show me this in luke that we're going to see the same thing in acts so yeah it's got all this action and shipwrecks but i think there's something more so let's head over and take a look i started to kind of outline how acts and and Luke were the same, and I came up with this huge list. So it really comes down to a couple of chunks where Luke and Acts, this is my aha, Luke and Acts have a very parallel stories, and Luke is gonna show a number of things that happened to the Savior, and then he's gonna show how those same things happened to Paul here at the end. And the question that we should be thinking is why? Why is there this parallel? Because once you see it, it's fairly obvious. So there is definitely a parallel between Luke and Acts, but why? And maybe why is it intentional? What's the point? So let's go through it and then we'll come back and see if we can answer that. First, Jesus has this journey to Jerusalem. You remember, most of Luke takes place, they're up in the Galilee, and so all of the teaching is up there. And then there's all these chapters of this big road trip where they go from Galilee all the way south to Jerusalem. So they are traveling quite a long ways. And so it's this road trip and they have all these stories as they stop. Um, Okay, that's the person that jumps out, right? Acts 19 through 21, and then 21, 8 through 17 is this uh, journey to Jerusalem. Let's really quick flip over to 19. So let's go to 19, 21. After, after these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So you're like, this should jump out of this. Hey, I have to go to Jerusalem. And that's the exact same thing that uh, Luke says in Luke 9, 51. I have to go. The Lord says, I have, it's time to go to Jerusalem. Now, 
we have this kind of sense of foreboding, right? In Luke 9, then 22, and then 9.44, Jesus foretells his death. Now, we know that Paul knows that he's going to die as well. Now, he's going to die outside of Rome, um, but he knows that when I go here, it will be ultimately the cause of my death. So they're both foretelling their death. Then uh, the disciples try to talk him out of it. So in Jesus' case, they say, hey, you, you know, don't go. And the same thing happens to Paul. So in 9, 21 through uh, 10, so 21, 10, and it came, and as we tarried there many days, uh, there came a, a prophet from Judea named Agabus. And then Agabus does the sign act. Remember, like Ezekiel and all these old prophets of old, they he ties up his hands and feet in his girdle and his sash and says, like, you're going to be tied up like this. Uh, Agabus, don't think of a prophet like the prophet or like the president of the church. This is a prophet and one who prophesies. So in the sense of the Old Testament, also like Christ, that there were these ancient prophets that were still uh, using these sign acts or these little street plays. So a cool connection there. But they tell uh, Jesus, uh, or the, they try to talk people out of it. And in 2111, then it says they, they uh, Agabus and Paul, and Paul, they take this girdle and they do this. And then they were trying to say, hey, don't go. Um, it even says in 12, when we heard these things, both we and they uh, besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Don't go, don't go there. Like, this is crazy. Um, and then again in 14 and then in 21, they keep telling, don't go, don't go. One of the favorite, my favorite stories is the story of the Ephesians. They're outside the city because of problems there. So they meet outside the city in Miletus and, or Miletus, and they, they're weeping and they're, they're hugging and kissing and saying, hey, Paul, you know, we've loved you staying here for all these years and, and we just can't believe you're never coming back. He's like, I'm never going to see you again. And they, they have a prayer meeting and they, they just are weeping that he's leaving uh, so much like the Savior. Sometimes they, they don't really get it, but they, they get it. So Luke's drawing that out, that, that they don't want him to leave. Now, another time, um, Jesus rebukes the disciples, right? And says, hey, don't, don't hold me. I've got to do this, right? Let me go. And Paul says the same thing. You guys, I, I have to go. I know that this is part of my mission. Okay, then there's, so there's kind of this section of going to Jerusalem and knowing he has to go just like the Savior. So Luke draws that out in both books. Additionally, there's this kind of second clump where there are these trial, the trial, and you're really going to see it in the trials, right? So in, when Christ first gets to Jerusalem, arrives in Jerusalem, it says there are large crowds around him. Remember the triumphal entry and they're singing Hosanna and Son of David? Well, when, uh, Paul gets to Jerusalem, he has an interesting response too. So go to 21, 17 through 26. It's a little bit long, but he says, um, and we were come to Jerusalem. The brethren received us gladly. And the day following Paul went with us unto James. It's, it's the brother of Jesus, uh, who was kind of the bishop and all the elders that were present. And when they had saluted them, so when they greeted them and declared particularly what things God had run among the Gentiles, and it says, then they heard it and they all glorified the Lord and said unto him, thou seest brother, how many thousands of Jews there were, which believe, and they are all zealous of the law and they are informed of thee. And that which thou teachest all the Jews, which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that thou not, uh, ought not to circumcise their children, neither walk after customs. They're like, this is bad news. So they're trying to say, Paul, we love that you taught the Gentiles, but, but, but that this is, this is bad news. Um, 
uh, keep going, keep reading, go ahead and read through that, but uh, he, you'll see that Paul comes and there are great groups. Now, Jesus goes to the temple, and you remember what he does there is that he cleanses the temple, but great groups gather to, to, to talk to him. The same thing happens to Paul. He arrives there and uh, goes to the temple and is teaching there. Now, when they're at the temple, remember what happened to, to Christ? Some of the Sanhedrin and the scribes come to try to trick him and trap him. And uh, right before his arrest, these, these scribes um, try to pay, make a way to seek his death, but they fear the people. So they're like, oh, don't, you know, people will rise up. And we see the same thing with Paul. In fact, they're trying to trap him and Paul's family. It's the first time we hear of Paul's family. It's his nephew. It's his sister's son comes and warns the Romans that says, hey, there's this plan that they're going to kill Paul. And they actually, this, the, the, the uh, Jewish leadership that's very threatened by Paul takes a vow that they will neither eat nor drink another thing until Paul is put to death. So these people are intent on Paul's death, just like um, they were with Christ. So another parallel. Okay, then it continues. Uh, they are arrested by Jewish mobs. They turned over to the Romans. And that's where they're, uh, remember then that Paul is, uh, or Jesus is scourged, right? He's beaten with a whip. And Paul is commanded to be scourged. And at the last minute, though, it's, there's a little twist. He says, oh, I'm a Roman. Oh, well, I guess we can't beat you up if you're actually a Roman citizen. But very similar. Why would they even say that? Again, I think Luke is making this parallel. Um, they each come at night to try to capture Christ. Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they they come to him at night rather than every day he was at the temple. They could have picked him up any time, and they didn't. Same thing with Paul. They try to arrest him uh, at night. Uh, before They come before the high priest. Now, what's a little bit different about Christ is there's a high priest, but he's presented to Agrippa and Bernice. So he is gone to uh, Herod Agrippa, just like the Lord went to Herod. But they go through this series of being presented to the leadership. Uh, and so kind of interesting. Are you seeing it? Lastly, I think there's some great other things. So there was the trial. There's more there. So dig in. But it's really, wow, you just see it. And I just started writing all this down. The third kind of trunk of a group of this, we did kind of the trip, then the trials, and then his mission. So the, the Lord's mission was to the poor, right? And the marginalized, to those who might have been cast out. The kingdom is for everyone. But also, um, just like that, you see Paul's mission is to maybe those who weren't accepted before, namely non-Jews, the Gentiles. Um, and you see Luke teaching that more than anybody, that it was to the women and the sex workers and the publicans and now we see the gentiles and people that weren't always accepted um, by society and so they're very similar missions also uh, we have christ was reassured by an angel when he was in the garden and in acts 22 43 we have a similar i know if you're gonna know 22 43, but that must be Luke. Sorry, that is Luke. Luke 22, 43. He's uh, reassured by an angel. But then Acts, Paul is reassured by an angel before his final imprisonment. So there's an angel thing there. Now, Jesus breaks bread with his disciples at the Last Supper. And Paul breaks bread, albeit with the sailors, right on his way back to Rome. So really fascinating things. I think it's obvious that there are parallels. And Scriptorians, I didn't see it really before. I was like, well, it's just it's history. But I took a step back and I said, well, what are they trying to teach? 
and we saw that they're going to listen and it's going to be this acts of the spirit they're going to teach us about christ and so then let's ask the final question again why the parallel and was it intentional what do you think let's start backwards with those I think it's absolutely intentional. There's no way, there's no way that this was, this book is well crafted. These books are masterpieces of, of, of construction and literature. And so Luke is telling this story to point out something. I think that's, was it intentional? Yes. But why? I think the parallels, well, I think, I hope you have an answer. I'll tell you what my answer is, but I think it's because they're drawing attention to these are both how the spirit worked through the savior and now continues to work that this is the continuation of the story that it is the acts of it is the acts of the lord and then the acts of the holy ghost through his apostles that the kingdom is going forth that it continues forth and that this parallel is showing that that it doesn't end just like luke doesn't luke's story doesn't end with christ's crucifixion and it doesn't even end with the resurrection right he is taken into heaven but he gives the spirit to the church so that they can go forth and the very end of luke or acts reads that way let it be known to you then that this salvation of god has been sent to the gentiles and they will listen scriptorians that's you and me the prophecy is for you and me that this Holy Spirit has come upon us, the church is still out there, and that we can change, and we can bring Christ into our lives and be true disciples. And this parallel is reminding us this is our story too, that he hasn't forsaken us. This is his gospel. Pretty amazing. Let me know what you think. Do you think there's a parallel? Do you see parallels other places? Why do these authors use these things, and why do we miss them? Well, there you go. That's the end of Acts. Uh, We'll start up with Romans next time, which is pretty, pretty amazing stuff. So we'll see you next time, Scriptorians. Keep on reading.